It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are locked on Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 872 of Lockdown Raptors for Tuesday, January the 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, you can find this podcast and all of the other wonderful things we've got cooking at the Lockdown Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast providers. So please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, in particular, if you are feeling like reminiscing on Kobe Bryant on this the one-year anniversary of his death, uh, there's a really great series of episodes of Rejecting the Screen coming out. And part one is up today. Uh, featuring interviews with a whole bunch of wonderful guests, including Howard Beck, who, of course, covered the Shaq Kobe Lakers, Mark Jackson, Stu Jackson, Adam Morrison's on there, Jeff Perlman, the author of Three Ring Circus and the Showtime book, uh, knows all about the Lakers, of course, Robert Sacre, shout out to Canada, Earl Watson, former and future guest on this podcast, Alvin Williams as well. Uh, highly recommend you go and check out Rejecting the Screen today uh, to get all of your Kobe-related uh, reminiscing. They do a really good job over there, so go subscribe. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to today's show and dive into your Toronto Raptors, who last night played a game against the Indiana Pacers, second out of a back-to-back, 129-114 loss. The Raptors secure, um, falling to 7-10 and on the season. Did not have Pascal Siakam for this one. And joining me to break this one down as the Raptors now go into maybe their toughest game of the season against the Bucks on Wednesday. It's our pal, Big V, Vivek Jacob. What's up, buddy? Hey, nothing much. Uh, the snow is coming down, so I'm extremely glad that I went for a walk yesterday 
and enjoy <laughs> the fresh air before obviously today i will not be stepping out i am anti-winter in general so <laughs> it'll be a nice indoorsy day for me yeah i uh we were talking off air i'm now uh, a person who likes snow because i have cross-country skis and i've taken that hobby up uh my body is in traction today after going a couple days ago but i had to drive for like two hours to go a couple days ago because there was no snow in hamilton until today and so hopefully the trails will open up soon and i can get some skiing in close to home mm. um yeah. Anyway, but I'm also glad you're not going to walk out in the snow today. As a person whose old day job used to require me to walk in the snow for like six hours a day during the winter, Ouch. Uh, don't recommend. It's quite tiring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it leaves you feeling like you want to die. So, whoa, uh, what a start to the podcast. You know what? Hey, it's uh, it's Tuesday. It's snowing. We're almost at a year of pandemic. We can get a little dark on here. Screw it. Um, all right. Let's uh, dive into a loss that I don't know if we were going to call it dark necessarily. It probably, to me, was a little bit expected uh, on the night, second night of the back-to-back with still a lack of Pascal Siakam in the lineup. Uh, but Vivek, I'll turn it to you. The way we start off all of these recap shows, what is your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 129-114 loss to the Pacers on Monday night? The rotation is filling out. It's nice to know that uh, you know Aaron Baines is giving you some consistency with his production, Stanley Johnson, I think those are the two I look at and say, uh, it's not, it's just nice for Nick Nurse to have those options now that he can kind of know what he's getting from them on a night-to-night basis. Obviously, you hope that Aaron Baines, this, this trend just continues. With Stanley Johnson, it's a bit more established. And then with Utah, Watanabe as well, he knows you know, that he can call his number anytime he needs to. And this was a matchup where I thought it fit perfectly and he was great. And as the rotation fills out, as he knows the options that he can go to, we're seeing the Raptors steadily play better as well. And so things are just starting to fill out. Yeah, I'm with you. I was feeling that uh, in this game as well. Obviously, the fourth quarter leaves a damper, and I'll get to that at my biggest takeaway in a sec. But I'm glad you started off with something positive because it's not really a loss, I think, worth losing much sleep over. You know, like I mentioned, no Pascal for the second game in a row. You know, we talked with Tony East on Monday's podcast about how the energy that the Raptors had to expend just to barely win Sunday's game by the skin of their ass, considering their shorthanded setup, you know, it was going to be tough to replicate that. And look, you know, they got Kyle Lowry back, and so maybe that's a little bit less of an excuse. And DeMontis Sabonis goes out early in this game and doesn't come back. And so maybe you're looking at this one as something the Raptors should have won, but I don't know. I'm not feeling too upset about it because, again, I think the process is mostly there. The first three quarters of this game were really fun. The offense looked really engaged and exciting and connected. And Norm Powell is shooting the lights out. And that's fun, too. And Fred Van Vliet was great. And so, you know, I understand that every loss when you're below 500 kind of hits a little bit more because it just, you know, you you start that climb up to trying to draw back to 500 and then hopefully move past that. And it just feels like it's a never ending tug of war. But for the most part, I think the process is there. I think the offense is looking a lot better than I thought it would. And now you're right. The rotation is filling out in a pretty nice way. You've got Stanley Johnson, who's just like walking into somewhere between four and six assists every night now as like the new Marcus Gasol and the Raptors never shooting, but putting up rebounds and assists like a king. Uh, sure, didn't expect that, but Stanley I'll Stanley Vision it. over um, WandaVision, baby. <laughs> 
Um, and his his defense, by the way, too, is worth noting. I know everyone's excited by the passing, but the defense is the mm. reason he's on the floor, and it's been tremendous, especially when paired with OG, and they're impossible to penetrate uh, those two when they're sort of lining up together with their very long arms touching fingers. Um, and, and yeah, like Watanabe... His offense is always going to be a little bit limited, but I thought we saw kind of the peak of what you can expect from him in this one. You know, little garbage buckets, putbacks, hit one three. He's always good for exactly one three, which is nice. <laughs> um, and then even with Chris Boucher kind of coming back to earth, which I want to talk about in the second segment a little bit, um, you know, it, it is filling out kind of nicely. And once Pascal gets back, you throw Norm Powell back to the bench. You know, maybe he loses his juice again because he loves to start apparently. But, you know, he'd, he'd been playing well off the bench before you know entering into the starting lineup the last couple games anyway so maybe once that happens you know you have Baines who we can talk about why he maybe got sort of benched in the second half in this one too um but you know I I think everything's kind of falling into place the the net rating still is you know positive and is looking all right and the defense was up to eighth um before the Pacers game obviously will take a bit of a hit from giving up 129 points but that I think you're right that the biggest takeaway is all of the like connect four pieces are falling into place is that what I <laughs> is that the analogy I'm not sure um but either way that that's a, a nice promising side my biggest takeaway in this one um you know I, I think the defense sorry not the, the defense the defense was fine I thought the offense in the fourth quarter obviously is still another you know, concern, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I shouldn't say the defense was fine necessarily. They gave up 129, but I thought their zone worked well. And, you know, you get a crazy hot Malcolm Brogdon and there's not a ton you can do. Same as there wasn't a ton the heat the Pacers could do about a crazy cold Malcolm Brogdon the day before. Um, but the def- the offense in the fourth quarter is where it kind of stuck with me. And we've seen this kind of be a recurring trend. We saw it against the, the Heat in their loss last week. We've seen it uh, I think in a couple of games against the Hornets, we've saw it, we've seen it in the Warriors and Blazers games as well. Um, I don't know what happens in the fourth quarter. <laughs> the fact of this offense, they kind of just sputter out pretty routinely, and it leads to a lot of close games. Or in this case, a game that they lost touch in after it was close going into the fourth. Do you notice any sort of trend as to how the offense is playing late in these games? Is it like lineup construction? Is it just random strange chance that their offense thinks so bad just in the fourth quarter? What are you seeing um, that might explain why they've been so porous late in games? Well, specifically in this game, I will say when you're constantly fouling guys and they're getting to the free throw line, guess what? You're going up against a set defense over and over, right? So I think that was one thing that was a problem. Um, And the Raptors, like, they're still that team that you know what you're going to get out of them in transition. And then the half court, they struggle. And why is that? I mean, we've seen this with, you know, those Democratic offenses where the ball's moving around. And now in the fourth quarter, everyone kind of knows what to expect. And the Raptors don't have that go-to guy and the shot making, you know, when you've got Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet on the floor, Fred Van Vliet, you know, you expect him to be able to create space, but still um, those are tough shots he's hitting. Like, you know, even at the halftime buzzer, when he hits that shot uh, going into the break, that's a tough shot. And so, you're going to get that with this Raptors team over the course of the season. Uh, no one's really emerged as someone who's a go-to closer. And so 
I think if they had that, then the other guys can kind of play off that, right? We know Norman Powell was better when mm-hmm. he's that secondary third tertiary option where it's like, hey, now you get him attacking a closeout or, you know, you find him early enough where he can rise up for the three. That's a great opportunity for him. OG Ananobi, you know, obviously uh, he had the injury issue, the concussion issue to, to get taken care of. Um, he's been great. I mean, I know we, we're not talking about Sunday's game, but uh, the steps he's taken forward offensively, the way he was able to attack the bigs, you'd like to see that maybe a bit more uh, late in games. Mm-hmm. And I think sure. if you know if you run those, especially you know if he's going to be at the five, I, I, was, I was a little bit surprised we didn't see any of Aaron Baines. Um, yeah. Because I thought he was playing well enough to just give him a shot and, and see what happens and just, you know, get some screen setting and get some separation created that way. But that didn't happen. So, yeah, if OJ Ananobi is going to uh, be in there uh, to close games at the five, then I would like to see that one five pick and roll. And I would like to see him taking advantage of situations when he's presented with the opportunity. He should be presented with more opportunities. I think he's proven that when Siakam's been away. So, yeah, I think, you know, again, uh, Nick Nurse is going to give, obviously, the, the, it's not the case in this game, but overall, I'm saying Nick, Nick Nurse is going to give Siakam as many opportunities as possible. But I think it's got to be a case where you attack the mismatch. And uh, if mm-hmm. it's a case where OG Ananobi's got it, you go with that. If it's a case where Fred Van Vliet's got it, then you go with that. But, you know, the whole play calling thing we've kind of see in that breakdown several times, right? Even we saw it in the Celtic series when they want to go to their go-to hammer play. That's so effective for them uh, over the course of the season, all of a sudden in the playoffs, like now everyone's ready for it and you can't go yeah. to it. Yeah, totally. And and I think, you know, th- this is a thing that they'll be working on all season long, right? And trying to find ways to, to craft offense when things get tough. And I think, you know, seeing what we've seen from OG, like you talked about it, I mean, his offensive numbers in this game, just efficiency-wise, are really nice. He was 4 of 8, 2 of 3 from deep. He had 2 assists in 28 minutes, the 10 points. You know, outside of, you know, his his rhythm kind of being screwed up by the fouls and then the injury, I thought he was quite good. And I think, you know, funneling things to OG a little bit more often here is potentially going to give you another option late in games down the line when you come up against teams that are, you know, really honing in on stopping Pascal and Kyle and, and Fred you know, I talked about this yesterday, but OG becoming that sort of opportunistic Pascal Siakam circa 2019 style player is going to be a huge help. And I think, you know, it's all a learning experience. It's all development and process. And I think the process is coming along as well as you could reasonably hope right now. He's um, a noted clutch shooter. Gonna, he is a noted clutch shooter. Uh, put one second on the shot clock. Dude's going to hit it. Um, I, I do want to dive a little bit more into sort of late game lineup construction in the final segment as it relates to a particular dude off the bench who we're all very much enjoying right now but first i want to dive into a couple of guys who maybe are struggling a tad and we will talk about chris boucher and also kyle lowry coming up in just one second but first i want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag the best place for you to put your money down when you are betting on your sports sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on 
for a 50% welcome bonus. There are so many things for you to put your money down on right now. The Super Bowl is coming up. You know how many props are available for the Super Bowl? Infinite props are available for the Super Bowl over at betonline.ag. Go put some money down, win some money on the anthem or the coin toss or the result of the game, whatever you want it to be. Of course, there's also the nightly slates of NBA and NHL games. You've got MLB futures too. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Big V, we're going to dive into Chris Boucher and a little bit of Kyle Lowry, too, in just a sec here. But first, I want to remind people to go and check out a brand new podcast from Locked On. Locked On Today, it's a general sports show hosted by Peter Bukowski, the host of our Locked On Packers show. He's amazing. He's going to be checking in with local hosts and talking about all the biggest stories of the day. 20 minutes or so, just a download of everything you need to know in the sports world every single day from across all of our networks. So go and subscribe to Locked On Today right now. All right, Vivek, uh, Chris Boucher, it's been a bit of a tough slate of games here the last four or so for him. Um, you know, he's been under double digits or just barely getting into double digits. His defense, I think, has been a little less reliable. His three-point shooting finally had a rough night on Monday night going one of six. It was bizarre to see every time he took a three in crunch time. I just assumed it was going in because that has been the way of the world this season so far. Um, are you concerned about the backslide by Boucher in the last four games or do you think it's more tied to being up against teams that feature uh, enormous hulking bigs in Bam Adebayo, Demonis Sabonis and also Miles Turner who's apparently a monster now too. Uh, by the way the Celtics you probably should have wanted Miles Turner but that's just me. Uh, are you <laughs> concerned at all about Chris Boucher or is it just sort of a matchup thing that's amplified because they played you know two teams over the last four games? I think it's a little amplified but I also over the course of his run, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop where now it's like teams are and, you know, putting him on the scouting report and paying a lot more attention to him. And now you can see they're getting out to him on the three point line more consistently. And so I think we're just going to have to see how it plays out because now that the other shoe has dropped, we have to see how Chris Boucher responds. We have to see how Nick Nurse responds to the other team's adjustments as well. And so uh i'm not overly concerned but you know do i think boucher was was a guy that was going to average 18 and 7 off the bench for the entire season no and so uh if that tail tapers down to you know maybe 12 13 points i, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, I think that's fair. And also, I would say that it's less uh, damaging if he does kind of come back to earth a little bit because Norm Powell is 
kind of playing like he was last year. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wasn't really planning on getting into Powell Six here, assists. But it's worth noting. Yeah, he's had, uh, what, uh, is it 12 assists over the last two <laughs> games, which is weird and uh, unsettling. Um, you know, I don't think the assists will necessarily stick around, or the rebounding, <laughs> to be fair, yeah. but the scoring, I don't know, are you kind of feeling like maybe Norm's just back to what he was last year, that last year wasn't exactly an anomaly, and his finishing around the basket and his comfort have kind of fallen back into place here and maybe the anomaly was his first six or seven games where he was just uh pretty wretched yeah i think i think people got a little too carried away with the start and everyone wanted to jump on the wagon and say yeah last year was definitely an anomaly and like this is what he's been his whole career and while i agreed that him shooting 70 percent at the rim last season that that was probably unsustainable the process part of it, I thought, could have been sustainable. The process part of it last year is why I believed he had, had turned a corner. And so the way he started out this season, it looked like he had gone away from that for some reason, where, again, it looked like he was uh, predetermined and premeditated with it, all his moves. And now it just seems like he's making the reads uh, a bit better and he's a bit more patient uh, and you know especially on those gathers at the rim it just seems like you know he's found that composure again um, obviously you're gonna you're still gonna get those one two drives where he's you know just hell for leather trying to get to the room first but I think with Norm again the process part of him getting to the rim and uh, just playing his game the rising up for the three uh I've got a lot of confidence in his three ball uh, in general. And so, yeah, I feel like he might not shoot 70% at the rim ever again, but I think he's good enough to, again, be that consistent of whatever it may be, you know, 15 off the bench or, you know, what was he at last season? 16. And so yeah, on, on like this, that. on this team, they're going to need all of it. Right. So uh, yeah, I think he could, he can once again, be that 15, 16 point guy. Uh, off the bench yeah and this kind of goes back to the point of things are falling into place right it, when hmm. Siakam gets back you'd presume that Powell goes back to the bench and then you're sitting there with Boucher and Powell who you know even if Boucher is not playing terribly well right now if he kind of snaps back to somewhere in the middle of you know right now and his start then you're looking at two really potent bench scores like the type of guys who you know maybe eat each other's six man of the year votes down the line you know it's looking way off into the future <laughs> but um you know watching those guys cannibalize each other and finish fourth and fifth in the race is going to be awesome uh, <laughs> and probably pretty healthy for the raptors as a whole and yeah it just when you combine that with baines when you combine that with you know johnson and watanabe and benbury kind of uh, you know, offering some things here and there. I guess Bembry's more of a bit part and doesn't seem to be in the long-term rotation plans, more of an emergency type guy um, the last couple of games here. But, you know, it, it is sort of coalescing into, you know, we were talking at the start of the season, like, oh, the Raptors have four good players and the rest are totally unreliable. And slowly by, you know, like week by week, you're looking at, okay, now there's five guys. Oh, now there's six. Okay, maybe there's like a nine-man rotation here that makes a lot of sense. Huh, who hmm. thought? Um, and you know, that doesn't even factor in Malachi Flynn, who I still think has something to offer, although he, uh, <laughs> got very much benched in this one along with Jalen Harris. <laughs> when, when Matt Thomas and Paul Watson are playing ahead of you, you may be in the doghouse. So it might be a while till we see Malachi mm. Flynn again, but who also knows because Nick Nurse is 
being wacky with his uh with his rotations here um were you surprised I did want by to that on just, Kyle. just sorry just What's quickly that? were you surprised yeah, no by yeah. you know with like tj mcconnell over both games it looked really really good right and mm-hmm. uh were you surprised that nick nurse wasn't trying to exhaust all the possible options there and maybe go to malachi flynn and saying hey can you slow him down yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to play Terrence Davis, the worst defender I've ever seen, uh, <laughs> you know, you probably could play Malachi Flynn, yeah. Um, you know, if there's a, there's a silver lining to the Raptors' loss on Monday, it's that maybe that's the nail in the coffin of Terrence Davis, regular rotation player. He mm. made uh, a whole lot of mistakes in just six minutes. and I None bigger than when if... he caught the ball in transition and literally oh ended God. the ball back to TJ McConnell. Yeah, like I got to say people who were like Norm Powell is like the has the worst basketball decision making in the NBA. Uh, you know, look down the bench to a dude who's just like bad Norm Powell <laughs> to see someone who is worse at decision making in the NBA. But that's besides the point. Um, I, I just wonder if maybe that's sort of the thing that gets him out of Nurse's good graces going mm-hmm. forward considering you've got the nice performances from uh, you know Johnson and Watanabe and Powell coming back to to form. Uh, you know that's a different conversation for another time. Um, I do want to talk about Kyle Lowry still, who had a pretty rough game and has had a couple of rough games recently. Although when you look at his numbers, they still kick ass because he's Kyle Lowry. Um, we'll get to him in just a second. I also want to touch on Stanley Johnson because he deserves many many flowers. We'll get to that in one sec. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at RockAuto.com, a wonderful place for you to uh, get all the car parts you need without getting fleeced by the mechanic who knows you know nothing about car parts uh and and just charges you whatever he says they cost i'm not speaking from experience here at all am i yes i am rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything you need from you know accessories to uh, actual sort of things in the car that are important for it making it run to all sorts of stylistic things it's wonderful the carpets the tail lamps the brake parts the motor oil all of it whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. And today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar around. They have 18 wonderful flavors in their enhanced, more tasty formula, uh, including a couple faves like lemon almond cheesecake, which is absolutely incredible. Orange toffee almond, a couple of faves as well. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets as well. And, for example, you can get a nice you know, low calorie output in one bar, Cherry Barcia, for example, which is delicious. 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. And it tastes just like a regular candy bar, but it is not a regular candy bar at all. It's a built bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on and get 20% off of your next order. That is the promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. 
All right, Big V, just a heads up on tomorrow's podcast. I'll be looking ahead to the Milwaukee Bucks game. Uh, may do a little bit of mailbag action as well, so get your questions in. But first, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Kyle Lowry here. Uh, tough game for him last night, his first game back after missing two, if I recall. Yes? Did he miss two games? Oh, God. Uh, yes, he did. My yeah. brain doesn't work. Yeah, he didn't play Friday. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, 33 minutes played for him in this one, 12 points. Two boards, one assist, one steal. A decidedly non-Kyle-like game. Just 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 5 from downtown. There have been a couple games recently where it really has felt like all the Raptors need to win a game is like a really great Kyle performance. Haven't quite gotten it. Um, any concern at all with the way he's playing? You know, it, it's it's tough because you look at his numbers and it's like, oh yeah, no, he's at like 18 points a game and a 58% true shooting and he's totally fine. Um, but you know, th- he's a 34 year old. We're going to monitor this closely. I would assume because he's still the driving force of the team. Um, and it's, it's been weird to see him kind of not be the most effective version of himself. We've seen spells like this before. Obviously he started seasons off shooting terribly, all that stuff, but he always rounds into form. And even when he goes two of 11, there are usually things that he's doing quite well. But of course, this one, he got kind of caught up with the refs. He got ejected, of course, late in the game. Uh, any concern with the way Kyle Lowry's playing at all right now? No, I'm not concerned. I, th- I think the only thing is for the medical staff and the coaching staff, it shows that, you know, you, you got to be a little bit more mindful of his minutes. And I looked at the game before he missed out, shot two for 12 there, one of 10 from three. I look at the game, he comes back. That's a rhythm thing. I think Kyle is, has always been a rhythm player. And so uh, the two for 11 doesn't really bother me in terms of a long-term concern. But yeah, I would say, you know, be mindful of his minutes, this sore foot thing, you know, that probably factored into the shooting and he probably started to feel it in the Miami game. So yeah, just be, just be watchful about that. I think overall, there's no need to worry about Kyle. Like even with, what is it two for 15 in the last two games from three he's that that's brought him down to 35 percent from three on the season so mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm not concerned kyle is kyle and he'll be fine as long as um you know as long as he's out there pestering refs and taking charges and <laughs> doing all the other wonderful stuff uh, i'm not too worried yeah, he took a charge that didn't get called a charge yesterday. I thought Nurse should have used his challenge on it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where it was like very clear to me, as chargey as a Kyle Lowry charge gets, and it just uh, did not go the Raptors' way there. We don't need to get into the ref stuff. I thought the Raptors maybe uh, had some diaper pants moments about the the refs in this one. <laughs> you know, could could you blame them? Not necessarily. Refs are bad always. Not, you know, in favor of one team or another. They just stink, but... Um, yeah, that it was, uh, it was strange to kind of see him. I mean, it's not like he like is the most, uh, even keel guy necessarily. He's obviously screaming at refs all the time, but it was strange to see him kind of lose <laughs> the, uh, the composure the way he did in this one, but Hey, it was an annoying game and he didn't play terribly well. So good for the hit. Good for him. I guess <laughs> get, get, get ejected early. Do the classic Serge Ibaka. I'm done with this. I'm going to get in the shower first. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the minutes point is really good because, I think they can kind of maybe afford 
to scale his minutes down a little bit. You know, what we've seen so far is that Fred Van Vliet is, I think, a lot more adept at running the offense by himself than he was last season. You know, there's still obviously moments where things get a little bit bogged down, but especially if you're pairing him with like an OG and a Siakam, if he has multiple starters with him out there, if he has Powell out there to kind of flank him with ball handling, I think they Hey, been Stanley Johnson. Okay. <laughs> I, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't uh, disparage new Draymond Green. Uh, <laughs> like, But like, I, I feel like they've gotten by with Fred a little bit more successfully. I haven't checked the numbers on this, so I could be wildly wrong, but I don't think I am wrong. I think the, you know, they, they've looked more competent. Of course, they've won the three games without Kyle playing uh, and Fred has been instrumental in all of that. And, and so with Fred being more cut out for just sort of getting you six to eight minutes of Kyle rest and, and not having the wheels entirely fall off. I think that maybe affords you a little bit more leeway in terms of not having to play Kyle 38 minutes to win every game. So that's, I guess, nice. Um, hopefully Nick Nurse adheres to the 33 minutes Lowry played in Friday's game or Monday's game. What the hell? I don't know what day it is. It could be Friday for all I know. Who fucking knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um Last thing I wanted to hit on here, we've kind of darted all over the place, but there's a lot to dive into. Uh, Stanley Johnson. We should probably talk about Stan. He played in this one 26 minutes, four points, four rebounds, six assists, only took one shot. Again, doing that Marcus All business. It's beautiful to see. Um, I don't know. We've been excited and encouraged by the signs from Johnson, I think, while also kind of baking in the expectation that, yeah, his offense is never really going to be his main asset, at least his scoring. His passing is clearly quite nice. Um, you know, is Stanley Johnson for you? Oh, here's two part. Like, one, is he for sure, like, he, you know, he should be in the top nine of whatever the rotation ends up being based on how he's played? And two, do you envision any scenario in which the Raptors might, I don't know, close an important game with Stanley Johnson on the floor at this point, like in the playoffs, perhaps, or against a very good opponent, you know, for his defense and his playmaking? Like, it's crazy, it seems. It's, you know, we're 16, 17 games into Stanley Johnson kind of showing he maybe has a, a usable role on this team. But the way he's kind of come along, the way his defense is just so reliable all the time from, you know, steady on on the ball defense to incredible fast break blocks which holy shit that was amazing um you know how are you feeling about johnson and his sort of role within the hierarchy of the team yeah so i think there's one point that can tie together the answers to both of your questions and that lies in his ability to, to defend bigs and so in terms of him being a part of the rotation, for sure, I think as currently constructed, the Raptors absolutely need him in the rotation with the playmaking that he's offered. You've seen what uh, being asked to learn the point guard position and be sort of a point forward last season uh, has done for him this season. And and then on top of that, the, the defense, when he's able to defend bigs, just going back to Sunday's game, the way he was able to help out on those possessions against uh Montes Sabonis and even a little bit against Miles Turner I mean obviously Turner is a bit more stretched out and a bit more uh, out on the perimeter but I think uh that's where his strength understanding how to use that um even if he doesn't have the same size is a huge factor and so going into the playoffs again you look at the options at center I wouldn't rule out 
you know, Baines not being an option to close or, uh, you know, Norm having an off night. And so you'd rather trust the defense in that situation. So you have both Stanley and OG out there defending these bigs. I mean, hey, if the Raptors play the Pacers in a playoff series, I could definitely see Stanley Johnson closing out again. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting, man. I got to say, I'm really happy for him. He, yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm at the point where I'm ready to say like, oh, he's going to get paid this summer because it still requires you to score buckets to really kind of always have utility in the NBA. But he's extending his career. There's no doubt about that. And Blake had a great piece over at The Athletic today about how he's kind of salvaged his career and done something that very few sort of washed out lottery picks do and sort of re-envision themselves into some sort of different, you know, ideal role player type. And yeah, I, I I was just thinking last night, you know, we talked off the start of the season about how I thought a really fun lineup for the Raptors to potentially get to would be Kyle, Fred, Pascal, OG, and DeAndre Bembry. And Johnson maybe fits into that Bembry slot even nicer because of his defense and because he apparently can do like some elbow creation and stuff like that. It, it's just, it's been a ton of fun to see. Of course, three-point shooting will always be the limiting factor. If he's able to keep up the very low volume 42% he's got going this season, that's very nice. You know, if he can hit his one three a game, that's uh, that's going to be super valuable to keep him on the floor. No one's ever going to guard him, but if you can make teams pay for not guarding him, then that'll help. But I also think you're mitigating some of the issues of having him on the floor by putting the ball in his hands more often. And he's not doing those drives where he's like putting his head down and like, dribbling it off his knee and he's getting too sort of big for his britches and he's getting a little bit ahead of himself. He's playing within himself. He's playing reserved. He's throwing cool ass skip passes. It's just, I'm really happy for him and it's really fun to see. And he's now, I think pretty clearly like the eighth guy on the team and credit to him for winning that job. You know, I don't think he's going anywhere at this point, 26 minutes in this one. Um, you know, I don't see him losing that spot anytime soon. It's uh, a really, really great story. And I look forward to seeing how his offense can kind of come along to complement the playmaking and defense. Like if he can, you know, continue to shoot maybe even just like one or two extra threes a game and knock a couple down. I mean, that would be so, so enormous for him uh, and, you know, just making him that hmm. much more viable as a as an integral piece of the team. So shout out to Stan. We are Stan stands here on this podcast. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> Big V, do you have any... Uh, Closing thoughts on uh, the game against the Pacers or anything like that? Uh, no, no, not really. I think we've covered pretty much everything uh, we needed to, right? Almost like Stan Watanabe coming off the bench with that defense, right? Just all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, with that, we will bring an end to this year podcast. Uh, Vivek, thank you so much for jumping on, man. It's always lovely to chat with you. What can uh, or where can people check out your wonderful work? Uh, usual stuff uh, at Complex, at CBC Sports. I've started rolling out the long-form features. The first one was on Aaron Brown. That's pinned to my Twitter profile. You can follow me on Twitter. I feel like I'm Jacob. And next month, which is not too far away, there will be some pretty exciting basketball content coming your way. So I'm really hyped for that, and I hope that everyone enjoys what's coming. So stay tuned. 
I am intrigued. Uh, I'm going to ask you about that off air because I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get the goods before anybody else, <laughs> unless you don't tell me. Uh, yeah, that will uh, that'll do it. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to rate review as always. It's always appreciated when you help the show and support the show and make us go up the rankings and stroke my ego and all that stuff. Um, we will be back again on Wednesday. To take a look at the Bucks game and uh, probably take a few mailbag questions. So get your questions in. And with that. We'll leave you there. Go listen now to the Rejecting the Screen Kobe Bryant specials. Those are going to be great, so go tune in there. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.